Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now. New plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now. 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's time for the Garden Wise Show on Legends 810 with the Garden Wise Guys. That's Jim Borland and Keith Funk. We're going to hold a garden show here this morning, and we expect you to give us a call. We know there are all kinds of things going on in your garden. If they're not going on in your garden, certainly they're going on in your neighbor's garden, and you probably want some of that. So give us a call here at 303 477 2473, and we will kick off the garden show uh, going into our 27th year, if you can believe that. <clears throat> We're almost 27 and a half years old. Is that right? Yeah. Do you remember when you were 27 and a half years old? <clears throat> oh, I wish my memory would go back that far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine has a cutoff date. <laughs> I think before that, you know, every day I lose another day yeah. on my memory. So. Well, we need to we need to install more RAM or something. I don't something, know. <laughs> RAM or RAM or one of those things. Before we go any further, I should announce that we have yet another coneflower that's been announced. No, da, da, da. we should have a drum roll. We should have something to go along with these new new uh, coneflowers that are coming aboard. Because we're up to seven hundred fourteen cultivars or varieties of coneflowers that have been developed over the years since 1994. Yes, sir. Do, do you think any of those are being recycled? <clears throat> I think they're being renamed. <laughs> That's what I meant. The new one is called Eyecatcher Cardinal Crest. Guess what color it is? I saw that picture. <laughs> yes. It must be orange. Yeah. Like all cardinals? Yeah. Yeah, right. Now, Walter's Gardens put that out, and they are a big operation up in the upper Midwest. Mm-hmm. They grow lots of stuff. Jeepers, they grow lots of stuff, and they grow lots of new stuff. And every now and again, they announce it, and uh, you know, I pick up on it and put a picture up on Facebook. Probably, probably illegal to do that, but I figured, you know, they probably can use all the advertisement they can they can get, mm-hmm. free or otherwise. So, so far, so good. So, in any event, uh, if you're thinking about starting a coneflower garden, you better have a big backyard, a couple acres. Yep, that should do it. By the way, speaking of which, one of the breeders. In, in, in the Netherlands, in one of the low countries, let's put it that mm, way. I've okay. never, never been able to quite keep those names of those countries straight. It, it, Dutch people. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the low, the low country. Anyway, uh, shows pictures every now and again of his trials of new coneflowers. And he has acres of, yeah. of new coneflowers that he goes through and makes selections. And by and large, he... Ends up plowing under about 99.9% of them. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's kind of <clears> like uh, Bob over at Iris for You. I mean, he has all these seedlings uh, that he creates, mm-hmm. and then he selects a handful to move forward with, and a dumpster full <laughs> goes away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I tell him, I, I keep telling him, sell them to the local garden centers as unnamed varieties. I think they'd probably sell. And he, w- he won't do he it. He won't do it? Uh-uh. Some breeders are like that. They don't want any of their breeding stock out in the wild mm-hmm. or out in uh, people's hands because, you know, there might be another breeder out there. 
who would snatch him up. Well, yeah, possibly, but that breeder, if they, if they are professional, <coughs> would need to know the parentage. And if you don't know the parentage, what good does it do you? Well, well I don't know. I do know that some, uh, some uh, <clears throat> I, wanna, I shouldn't call them garden centers, but some growers who are, who are breeders, and uh, they won't allow anybody in into their facilities. Mm-hmm. A- anybody except their staff. That's it. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Because they're afraid they're going to take snippets of that and snap snippets of that and see to this. Steal some pollen. Yep. Or, or steal pollen. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's what a lot of orchid growers are. Professional orchid breeders are worried <laughs> about people stealing pollen. When you come right down to it, you don't need much room to steal pollen. No. <laughs> and it can be very easily done with, I, secretively done. You could, you could take like a million pollen grains and put them on your fingernail exactly <laughs> and go home uh-huh. and start breeding so yeah they're pretty secretive about that kind of stuff because it's, it's you know it's their livelihood mm-hmm. they can't afford to have everybody else out there doing what they're doing that's their intellectual property exactly, exactly. Even, though it's, even though it's physical property we don't have anybody oh we do have someone calling but i should tell everybody this is the 135th day of the year 230 days remaining Minus five, that gives you that many days till Christmas. <laughs> five, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, dear. Well, let's see. What's going on in the garden right now? Oh, dear. Ha- what are you planting out? What am I plant? I, I, haven't, I haven't planted anything yet, but I got a whole several hundred plants that are ready to go out. Well, you have a bunch of, I mean, how many thousand garlics do you have now? <laughs> Well, those are already out. <laughs> oh, okay. And you said and, you seeded And they're looking lettuce. good, I might add. You seeded lettuce? I did seed lettuce. And by the way, the, the lettuce seeded itself, it oh. is now everywhere in the yard. <laughs> I let these lettuce plants, it's black-seeded since, been very, very common ones, been around forever. <clears throat> let them go to seed. Yeah. And uh, and I go out and gather the seed, and, and now I have enough seed for the rest of my life. Yeah, if you run out, yeah, I have yeah. some that you gave me, too. <laughs> okay. But in the meantime, they they form fluffy seed heads, and before I go out and collect them, some of it escapes. Yeah, and it's now everywhere. So you have I, a I new, mean literally a everywhere new weed, but it's edible. <laughs> it's edible. You can eat these weeds. Yeah, and it comes true. So you know, once it was black seeded Simpson, it will always be black seeded Simpson. Mm-hmm. I keep looking for a red one, but it hasn't happened yet. That hasn't happened. Okay. No. I'm trying romaine lettuce this year. Romaine. And then I was I was going to do butter crunch too because I really like I, butter yeah, crunch. Yeah, I do too. I, I, I should have tried some of that. <clears throat> I like, like the old standbys. I, I know that Black Seeded Simpson works for me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I've had trouble with others. Well, so far the romaine is growing like a weed is along with the, my broccoli. Is it the like the <clears throat> round leafy forms? Or no, it's the, that long narrow. Leaf. Oh, long narrow. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it forms a <clears throat> kind of a head. Okay. No. It's not a cut and come again thing. Um, is it? Is it? Is it? Is it sour tasting? No, it's sweet. Oh, romaine? Huh. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Because <clears throat> my wife buys romaine from the grocery store, and it's big, long stalks. Right. And uh, not as sweet as other re- lettuces. There, you know, it depends on, I suppose, when you harvest it, but. Uh, it's supposed to be fairly sweet with a little bit of a bitter. Yeah, a little bitter is the word I was looking for. Not, not yeah, sour, yeah. bitter. Yep. 
back on your on the back of your tongue a little bitter. Yeah, I mean, that's okay. A little bit of that goes a long way. The dressing covers that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you put some goat cheese on top of it. Yeah. I mean, wait a minute. That's, that's cucumbers. That's, yeah, that's. And, cu- <laughs> and then cucumbers. And a little onion. <clears throat> Don't forget garlic. There you go. Yeah, garlic leaves. Now you can I'm eat hungry. Them. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> Where's Sean? We need something to eat. <laughs> can you can you call up DoorDash or one of those Grubhubs or somebody? Have them bring. Hey, have them just bring in whatever that happens to be in their car. <laughs> yeah, I saw that advertisement for Grubhub or DoorDash yeah. for Seven Eleven. I'm thinking, really? That's the best you can do. But oh, you know, if you want a, a hot dog's been around for a month, why? Yeah, sure. Exactly. Well, why don't we get out to the phones? Okay. We've got uh, Maria in Lakewood waiting to talk to us. Good morning, Maria. Morning, guys. I want to know if it's I can put the seeds for my cucumbers and squash in the ground today. No, too early. When should I put them down? I would look at the weather for the end of this month. Oh, okay. Next question is my uh, my apple tree is loaded with blossoms. Mm-hmm. They're beginning to uh, fall off. And I get the cuddling moth, so is it too early to spray the tree? Yes. Yes. When yeah. do I do it? You do it about, uh, I would wait at least 10 days or two weeks after all the flowers are gone. Oh, all the flowers? Yes. And then I have to do it every 10 days times three? It depends on it depends on what you're using. Just follow the directions on the label, but make sure that you you apply it at the regular intervals specified, so that you don't let your protection lapse. And then you won't have once you get to about um, what early July. Do you think, Jim? Yep, I think so. Early July, you can stop. Oh my goodness! Okay, I'm using Fertilom fruit tree spray. Okay. That's a good one. It'll tell you on the label how often to spray. Okay. Um, by July, I should be done then. Yeah. F- just figured, you know, make your last application on July 4th or thereabout, and then you can call it good for the year. Oh, well, okay. Thank you, guys. You're welcome, Maria. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. All right, you, you too. Then after that, all you need to worry about are the birds and squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> And Absolutely. if you have deer, they'll continue eating all year long. Of course. Yep, and rabbits. And Thank goodness rabbits don't climb trees. Yet. They'll learn. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to crossbreed with squirrels, and we're going to have, oh, no, no, we're gonna have no, hopping squirrels no. and, and climbing rabbits. No, we don't want that. No. <laughs> no. I don't want that. No, absolutely not. But uh, Maria brought up a good point about squash and cucumbers and melons of all kinds really yeah. uh, it is too soon to put those seeds in the ground outside unless you've got you know a, a, a polytunnel or something like that over there to artificially raise the temperature of the soil because those seeds do not like cold soil no. at all yeah. if you can put your hand in the soil and it feels cold it's too cold for the seeds yeah you want soil temperatures up to be about 60 degrees if you can at least yeah, yeah. and so what you can do right now is start them in pots mm-hmm uh, as long as you have plenty of light, uh, and that means like a south, full sun, sunny window, bay window, that sort of thing. Or if you have a light set up, they need to be right underneath those lights. Otherwise, they get tall and leggy and scrawny, and those never amount to anything. Yeah. Even after you plant them outside, <coughs> they're, they're not going to get better. Very difficult to plant, too. 
Yeah. You end up breaking the stems. Mm-hmm. And once you've broken the stem, that's it. That's done. And if you, are, if you are going to plant them in pots, I would choose, say, a three or four inch pot and put maybe two seeds in the pot with potting soil. Yeah, no more. And then once, once those seeds come up, I would cut out the weakest seed. Don't pull it. Cut it off at the ground yeah. level with the scissors <clears throat> so that you don't disturb the root system of the one you're going to keep. Those, all those things, the squashes and melons and that sort of thing, hate to have their roots disturbed. So don't try to transplant them from a seed flat into an individual pot. They don't like that. Exactly. I'm talking about warm soils and temperatures and all that sort of thing. I do distinctly recall now over the past, must be three weeks now, that I have made an announcement on air that I've checked the next week's forecast and there was no frost predicted. Mm-hmm. And I've been wrong both times. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. I mean, to the extent that we got snow. Yeah, that's true. And freezing temperatures. So what I guess I'm saying is don't listen to me. It's just a guideline, <laughs> a suggestion. I mean, I look in the newspaper and I look at NOAA, National Oceanic, yeah. and you know those people. They they know what they're doing, and they look at and they give a full week forecast of <clears> the <throat> nighttime temperatures and daytime temperatures too, and such. So and that's what I report on the air Saturday mornings. Well, they and thus me have been dead wrong uh, two out of those three weeks, and once again I'm looking at a. Seven-week forecast, no frost due. So stand by. However, having said all of that, I've had 15, 16 flats worth of stuff I've started from seed and division Mm -hmm. in the house outside for the last at least three weeks. Yep. And I've had no problem. Depends where you are. Yeah. Well, I think some of these things are able to, you know, once they're acclimated, can handle some of these Barely freezing yeah. temperatures. And it depends on the plant. Yeah. What, what are we're talking? We're not talking about coleus here. Or impatience. Yeah, or impatience. No, <laughs> they really don't like. They cold. don't like the cold at all. <laughs> no, sir. So uh, if you if you tried some things and put things out and uh, you got nipped in the bud or something, why well, give us a call and we can chat about that. And other things you may want to think about putting out pretty soon. Uh, probably should chat about that too. What's that? Well, whatever it is you think about putting out, and you're a little querulous as to whether or not it's too early. It's almost tomato time. Right. I mean, and by the way, we go through this every year. I know, but we all forget. Every year. <laughs> and does anybody out there take notes? Some people do. Some people do, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of them. I don't either. I think, I know I should, but I don't. I keep telling myself, oh, I'll remember. <clears throat> <laughs> I know. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'd like to know if anybody out there is using walls of water yeah. in their vegetable garden. I haven't seen those available for some time. And I haven't heard Heidner hair about such things either. Yeah, yeah. That was a really popular thing a few <laughs> years back, like 20. <laughs> <laughs> and they, I guess wall of water was the first one out there. Uh-huh. made a big name for itself. And then others came out. Yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden, nothing. I nothing. don't know. Yeah. Maybe they all didn't work or something. Well, I used them, and I thought they worked great. I could put my tomatoes out and peppers and stuff like that a couple of weeks earlier than normal. Cool. Cool. It is a, it is a, a chore to put them up, though. The, it is. <clears throat> and to fill them. Yeah. Yeah. And then hopefully they don't get a leak in them and collapse on top of your plant. And, and then the follow-up is, you know, you really should remove them. <laughs> well, true. <laughs> you should. <laughs> you should. And that's a pain. It's not like you can just pick them up and 
because now they're full of water. Well, I I finally figured out in in all my wisdom over the years that they're cheap enough that I can just buy new ones each year. <laughs> so I take a knife and just cut them off. Yeah, that's probably not a bad idea. And then they fall over and dump the water out, and I yeah. recycle them. I expect. Because they are recyclable plastic. You've been watching TV. There's been two shows now over the past week about plastics worldwide. And oh, all is that right? And, all that. <clears throat> and apparently a lot of plastic is not recyclable. Yeah, you're right. Even though it has that magic number on the bottom, mm-hmm. um, and that's all I use because what do I know? Right. I just put it in the recycle bin and hope that the people beyond this know what they're doing, know how to separate it, and mm-hmm. I don't know how they do that, by the way. Well, it took me a while to understand that, <coughs> like on soda cans, soda bottles and mm-hmm. things, water bottles, many times the caps are not recyclable, but the yes. bottle is. So if you leave the cap on it and throw it in your recycle bin and they see that coming through the line... They discard the whole bottle because there's a cap on it. We got something the past week, and I can't remember. I should remember what it was. It's something popular. Everybody knows what it is, but I can't remember the name of it. But they make a special point. Leave the cap on. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there is a, there is a manufacturer out there that does that, that they are making the caps recyclable as well as the bottles. But I've just gotten to the point of I never leave a cap on. Yeah, I leave them, take them off, too. So... I know it, it's a it's a worldwide problem. You think about all the uses of plastic. I mean, mm-hmm. you go in the grocery store, and you know it, it's hard to find cardboard on anything anymore. Yeah, it's all if, plastic. If it is cardboard on the outside, it's plastic on Pla- the inside. Plastic on the inside or plastic lined. Yeah, <laughs> which means it's not recyclable either. Right. So, I don't I don't know what the answer is. I I truly don't. Well, and, and our industry isn't immune from this either. No, no. I no. mean, w- the green industry <laughs> produces. <laughs> mountains of yeah. plastic pots. I yeah. mean, literally mountains, millions and billions of these things. Yeah, and there was an effort at one time to recycle those, but you find out once again there's only certain ones that's recycled, and, and the consumer doesn't know which is which. Well, you know what really and caused... All, and all those programs collapsed. You know why? Because they were <clears throat> abused. People were throwing dead plants and all kinds of stuff in <laughs> of those <course. laughs> things. And the garden centers, you know, we're not going to take the time and pay our people to go through and sort yeah. all this stuff out. Yep. So screw it. We're not doing it. Because it really is no, never has been any money in it. No. 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 But they were trying to set up a, a, <coughs> a lane where you could have the recycled plastic pots come in, and then those pots get picked up by a certain company, and then they get turned into plastic lawn edging. Mm-hmm. So they get, you know, reused and made into something else. But who wants plastic lawn edging? Uh, not me, by the way. No. No. I don't want... And they make plastic railroad ties, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And plastic decking and chairs and yeah. railings and all that. Mm-hmm. I hate that all. Well, the the decking, I think, is a PVC rather than a poly. Well, it's a, it's a plastic. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um... I don't like the looks of any of it. You know, I really don't like the looks of it. I'm sorry, people. It's the white plastic fences. Oh, really? I oh, like them. I hate them. <laughs> Absolutely hate them. They I, are so uniform. Yes. That's why I like them. They're very uh, orderly. And that's exactly why I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we should take a break. But yeah, we, we do. While we're doing that, you need to call in because we don't have any callers I on know. the line. And it's uh, May for crying out loud. I know. For you people to give us a call, 303-477-2473. Let me say it again. 
303-477-2473. That'll get you right in here, and Sean will pick up the phone and greet you with, uh, I don't know, what are you greeting with? Uh, you got coffee this morning, bagels, or something like that? Yeah, okay, yeah, we'll find out. It, it, better than the poking the eye with a sharp stick. That is indeed what it is. We'll be back after these short messages right here on Legends 810. Time for Ask the Bonide Guy with answers to what's bugging you. Let's go to Dave on line one. Oh, hey, so I'm really big into next-generation technology. Uh-huh. I've got a next-gen TV. I've got a next-gen lawnmower. Cool. Yeah, so now I've got next-gen weeds popping up in my garden. Uh, what do you recommend? Hmm, how about something next-gen? Oh, really? I'm all ears. Bonide Cleanup HE is the next-gen way to kill unwanted weeds, grasses, and brush in hours with just one application. Whoa, okay. So what's with the HE? Oh, it's a new high-efficiency formula, kind of like the laundry detergent. With Cleanup HE, one gallon treats up to 1,000 square feet. That's like three times more than what you're using now. Oh, that's incredible. Oh, yeah, and Cleanup HE is great for outdoor patios, walkways, driveways, and round flower beds and gardens. Just spray and watch those weeds disappear. Now that's smart technology. Thanks, Bob. Get next-gen weed control with new Cleanup HE from Bonide, trusted since 1926. Visit your local hardware store or garden center today or learn more online at bonide.com. Outdoor gardening doesn't have to be a chore. Stop by Lafayette Florist, Gift Shop, and Garden Center, and we'll give you tips on creating the perfect size gardening journey for you. Let it be an adventure. If you're looking for easy gardening, try container gardening. Pick a pot and fill it with your favorites. Maybe it's a small salsa garden with cilantro, Roma tomato, and a jalapeno pepper plant. Choose annuals for pops of color on your patio or give yourself a tropical oasis in a pot with a fern. Choose a small section of your landscape, add good topsoil, and choose a few plants that fit the sunlight you receive in that area. Fill a window box with herbs or plant a beautiful display of color. Plant what brings you joy. Gardening has a powerful effect on your well-being. It gives you something to nurture and to watch grow. Feel the power of plants. Visit Lafayette Florist, Gift Shop, and Garden Center in the heart of Lafayette. We can help with all your gardening and floral needs. Located at 600 South Public Road. Call us at 303-665-5555. Or visit us online at lafayetteflorist.com. Spring is the time for seeds. Every botanical interest seed packet is designed to help gardeners succeed. Featuring gorgeous botanical artist renderings of each variety, each packet includes extensive horticultural information, but also includes really cool stuff like the history of the plant, recipes, and tips on keeping your cut flowers and harvested vegetables fresh. On a regular basis, a horticulturist reviews each seed packet to give practical organic gardening recommendations that you can use in your garden to be successful. These seed packets also help answer quick questions on the front and back while shopping, such as if it's organic, size of plant, when to sow, and more. Seed packets by gardeners for gardeners. Botanical Interest Seed is available at your favorite independent garden retailer. Newton might never have come up with the theory of gravity if they'd had Monterey brand Florel Fruit Eliminator in his day. This stuff really works to stop the development of unwanted apples and crab apples so they won't create a mess in your yard later this summer. Use Monterey Florel as a full coverage spray when the flowers are in mid to full bloom. When Florel contacts the bloom, it stops the formation of fruit. Florel is not toxic to bees or other insects, and there's no need to cover nearby plants and shrubs. Monterey brand Florel Fruit Eliminator keeps apples and crab apples from forming, so Newton's theory of gravity won't keep getting tested and retested all over your beautiful lawn, patio, or driveway. 
When you see those apple blossoms in mid to full bloom, get out there and spray them with Monterey Florel Fruit Eliminator and avoid apple cleanup duty this summer. Monterey brand Florel Fruit Eliminator is available at your favorite independent garden retailer. Tell them the Garden Wise Guys sent you. into the fix it show with your questions about your home saturday morning at 9 30 specializing in heating and cooling problems legendary hosts deborah and adam bring decades of experience and award-winning expertise to their live interactive fix it show helping your home weather colorado's unique climate and temperature swings you have questions they have answers call into the fix it show every saturday morning from 9 30 to 10 30 on legends And we are back with your calls this morning. And, uh, oh, before that, I should tell everybody that today is Doodah Day. All right. Doodah, doodah. Camptown ladies. Yeah, man. Oh. I I think I, I probably have to go through the the lyrics of that before I can determine whether or not it's still acceptable. It's probably not, especially <laughs> since it was on Blazing Saddles. <laughs> Which is probably the least acceptable movie out there right now. But uh, let's get out to the phones and talk to Tom about transplanting. Good morning, Tom. Well, good morning. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you guys? Oh, we're just having a great time. What's going on with you today? Well, first of all, I'm going to have to write down a note to look up doodah. Yeah, do that. (laughs) And let us know. (laughs) Okay. Here's my question. Um, I need some advice on transplanting a fern bush. I mail-ordered or I ordered through uh, online two um, fern bushes mm-hmm. about five or six years ago. They arrived, mm-hmm. you know, in small four-and-a-half to five-inch uh, pots. Mm-hmm. They have done extremely well, but the one that's planted in hot, dry area has outgrown its space. And in the past, I've had a difficult time transplanting what they call xeric or drought tolerant plants yes. because they tend to have a tap root well they have deep roots yes so any advice on transplanting that in terms of the time of year do i trim it back should i leave it how big is the plant it's about three feet tall and in five years that's really good growth from four and a half inch pot um i would think that's still transplantable i would take and this is our usual advice especially for difficult or potentially difficult plants is to take a root ball as deep and as wide as you can physically handle. Okay. Now, that again, you know, that's up to you about what you think you can handle. There are several ways of doing this. One is to dig that big giant root ball out and, and, and put it up on a heavy cloth, like a canvas cloth, and then you can drag it to your new site so you don't have to lift it. Sometimes you can do that with a <clears throat> big sheet of plywood if you... Uh, arranged to have some handles on it that you can pull that so is it going to have a root ball as opposed to one yeah it's going to have a root ball it's it has a relatively fibrous root system it does yeah okay but they are deep and the thing with xeric or dryland kinds of plants is that uh, even though there's lots of roots like fibrous roots uh, the important roots are the deepest ones okay but in the case of uh fern bush i think that's it's possible to move it okay so now would be an okay time to do it yeah and have your have your hole pre-dug wherever you want to put it 
Right. So that as soon as you take it out of the ground, you can put it right back in the ground again. No deeper okay. than what it was growing originally. Yep. yep. Right. Now, one other just quick question. Um, I'm attempting to replicate a small area in my yard to more closely resemble a woodland garden. Well, in urban Denver, that's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Um, any advice on a plant called, is it cryptome- cryptomedium? Those la- is that a lady slipper orchid? Oh, cypripedium. Cypripedium. Hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, make sure that you mix in some, I would get some Canadian peat moss, which is acidic, and, and mix that in about 30% peat moss and uh, 70% your soil to help modify the pH a bit. A little bit of compost wouldn't hurt as well. They like a well-prepared, fairly organic soil that is re- that's moisture-retentive. How about sun versus shade? Shade. All day? Yes. Okay. Great. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Sure. You bet. <laughs> Enjoy your show. Now, where would you get some of these plants, by the way? <clears throat> Cryptomedium. Is that what it is? Cypripedium. Cypripedium. Okay. Because yeah. I've, I have experience with epimediums, and they've done really well. Um, mail order. Yeah. Or on online. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was just wondering because uh, there there was one garden center that had some of those one year. Did they not? Cypripediums. Yeah, Nick's had them one year. <clears throat> and they were horrifically expensive. Oh, my goodness. And uh, and so nobody bought them, and they went out of bloom. And then the foliage, you know, once it's mm-hmm. once it gets into midsummer, the foliage just looks terrible. So they made it even less saleable. So I made I made Randy an <laughs> offer. I'll say, I'll take those off your hands for X number of dollars. And he, he was happy to unload them. <laughs> and so then did you plant them in your yard? Yes, I did. And they did, had them doing just fine ever since. Um, there are a couple of mail order places. Well, I order a lot through online. I think that place in, uh, I think it's in North Carolina, Plant Delights. Yes. Oh, that's a yeah. wonderful yeah, one. Yeah, we're familiar yeah. with them. Yep. Yeah, except their shipping charges are really enormous. Uh, you know, everybody's, yes. Well, theirs is like a minimum of three. <clears throat> really? I think it is, the last time I checked. Plus, you know, if it's coming out here. But you're right, all the, all yeah. the online places, the shipping... Uh, it's really outrageous, and then the, um, you know, a lot of times these deliverers, whether it's USPS or FedEx or UPS, they're not on time. No, but they you give know, you all those two no- or three days shipping. They give what? you all these notifications online though, about when it's been shipped and where it is. You know what what city it is in the country and and projected date that it'll be at your place. It could be like eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, I was, well, <laughs> I was supposed to get a delivery that by the end of day yesterday, and I'm still waiting. See? Yeah, and if it's 90 degrees out there and it's sitting in the Oh, I know. Oh, you know, what, you know what chaps my shorts even more is some of these places will, if there's only just a few plants, they'll put it in a soft package, not, oh, a, not yeah. a box, yeah. and, and they'll send it USPS, and then the mailman jams it into the <laughs> mailbox and busts <laughs> the plant up because the packaging is soft. Yeah. Why did I... You know, I've received soft packaging for um, some clothing items, but never for a plant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have. I just got a, a package uh, two days ago, a big box of, of things, and they just came up and literally just dumped it on the porch. I wasn't there. I mean, it's in full view of the entire world when all they needed to do was move like a foot and put it behind a pillar. Yeah. yeah. Or behind a, a railing or something. Yeah. Yep. Nope, not going to do it. There it was, and I'm figuring, I'm glad it's still here. 
Well, I had I had some ostrich ferns delivered, uh, bare root ostrich ferns delivered earlier this year, and in a soft package, and they were jammed into the mailbox. Opened them up, and all the new growth was broken off. Oh no! Yeah, and so, but fortunately, ostrich plume, uh, ostrich ferns will put out new growth again. But it's just kind of irritating, yeah. you know. So was there send any it in a box. Wrap or anything in the package? There was bubble wrap and 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 so forth, but it was it was such that it wasn't airtight, so that it could be crunched up and and shoved into a mailbox. Oh my god! You need a bigger mailbox. <laughs> I need a smarter mailman. That's what I need. <laughs> That's what we need. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hear you there. Yeah. You know, it's really a loss, um, or it has been a loss since Timberline um, oh, yeah. closed. Yeah. 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 But you know, we still have a lot of other um, nice garden centers, but they're too far away for me to drive to. I live. Well, me too. I I don't have anything close by. Where do you live, Tom? <clears throat> um, the largest or the biggest major intersection is Colfax in Colorado. Okay, yeah. You got the um, third well, Avenue floral, floral, but um, yeah. city floral will be not too. It's, <laughs> it's worth the drive out to Nick's. That's not too far from you. Yeah, I need to go out there. I haven't been out there in a several years. Do they have a pretty good um, perennial section? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Very Quite large, yes. Because I know they've got a lot of great trees and shrubs. <clears throat> no, their perennial section is, is to die for. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Do they carry the plant select plants? Lots yes. of them. Yes. And, and, and three-inch pots of all things. Really? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. You know, one um, bush that I, that did really well for me from that program is called the um, that Manchurium viburnum. Oh, that uh, was it Miniman or something yes. like that? Yeah. Yes. That's done well for you, has it? Extremely well. And, you know, they're all, they probably have a dozen at Denver Botanic Gardens, and they all do really well. And where do you have it planted? Let's see. I've got one of them. Well, they're both in full sun. Okay. Um, I prepare my soil really well. So, you know, um, the, um, compost more than anything else. But I've also started, I have really heavy clay soil. Uh-huh. So I've started adding, is it um, the shale, those little shale pellets? Oh, expanded shale, yeah. Expanded shale to help with drainage. Okay. But anyway, and, th- and then the other one I have in uh, a perennial border. So it, both of them get quite a bit of um, moisture, okay. irrigation. But uh-huh. They're doing really well, but they're both in full sun, well-prepared beds, um, inner, or surrounded by other perennials and smaller shrubs. Hey, I have one other thing before I let you go. What's that? I t- attempted to fully prune to the ground one of those black lace elderberries. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was beautiful. And then I pruned it one year to the ground, as I mentioned. And the next year it came up with three branches that each achieved a height of about 10 feet. <laughs> okay. So I lost, you know, I mean, all of the, the growth that it had um, produced to produce a multi-stem bush was mm-hmm. all gone. Okay. So <laughs> now I've got this thing. <laughs> so it's like three ten-foot stems. <laughs> you should can. I, what should I do? Ah, uh, you can cut those stems back almost to any length you want. And that will encourage some more ba- some more basil branching. Yeah, I think if it if, will. Okay. Yeah, if I had that, I'd probably cut them back to like three feet. Three feet. Yeah. And, and, and but it will stem. They'll oh yeah. Come up. From the ground again? Well, not from the ground, but from the uh, the stems that you left. 
Well, it'll also come up from the yeah, ground, I too. think. And and what I think I would have done, you know, in retrospect, you know, 2020, right, um, is as those new stems were growing last year, once they hit that three or four foot size, I would have I would have tipped them. Oh, that's a good thought. Because I usually trim like um, or prune, oh, um, spireas mm-hmm. and smoke bush and all those to the ground, and they do really well. Yeah, yeah. Forsythia is another good one. Mm-hmm. Heis- uh, um, honeysuckle shrubs, those do really well. Okay. What about privets? Uh, I wouldn't prune them to the ground. I'd probably okay. leave stubs six, eight inches long. Yeah. Kind of like the same thing with the elderberry? Uh, probably, yeah. Shorter. Mm-hmm. Shorter. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. You said the elderberry go to about three feet. Yeah. And nine, nine bark is a good one. Yep. Nine bark is a good one that you can cut right down at ground level. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Okay. Okay, well, look, I really appreciate your help. Well, you thank bet. you for calling this morning, Tom. Talk to you later. All righty. I was just thinking as Tom was talking there, and we use this term heavy clay soil. It, it, it's, if it's clay soil, it's always heavy clay soil. Right. But is there light clay soil? When it's dry. I don't think so. It's still heavy when it's dry, isn't is it, it? Is it like heavy, wet snow? Yes, it's like heavy, wet snow. As opposed yes. to light, wet snow. There's no such thing. I was just just curious. Just being a wordsmith here for a second. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Grammar here. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Vocabulary. All right, let's see. What do we got here? We've got Bill and Jeanette on the line, but we're, we're so close to having to take another break. Why don't we do that now, and then we'll come back, and we can have plenty of time to talk to Bill and Jeanette. And with that little break, we're going to take right now, so don't go anywhere, and uh, keep your ear attuned to Legends 810. Now that the weather is starting to warm up, you'll want to protect your ornamental and vegetable garden from various beetles, weevils, and borers, including Japanese beetles. And what better way to prevent these pests from destroying your garden than by controlling them when they're larvae? GrubGone is an easy-to-apply granule product that can be spread on your turf to successfully control grub invaders. Developed by Phylum Bioproducts from a naturally occurring bacteria, GrubGone is a non-chemical BT product that specifically targets only certain scarab pests. And it is safe to use around bees and other beneficial insects and it's a non-chemical choice for areas frequented by kids or pets yes and if you already have beetles flying around your yard beetle gone is an organic water dispersal powder that can be sprayed directly on your edible plants and did i mention it is certified for organic gardening find out more at phylumbioproducts.com phylum bioproducts target the pest not the rest What's your lawn good for? After all that watering and maintenance, is your lawn supposed to be admired like some ancient statue in a museum? No! It's supposed to be enjoyed. It's for you, your kids, grandkids, pets, and friends. You should spend warm summer evenings leisurely eating dinner, afternoons watching kids and animals run back and forth. It's a place to have water balloon fights or touch football games, but your grass can't take that kind of pounding. Soon you see dry patches that turn into dirt and mud. You need a lawn that has been engineered to withstand lots of traffic and still thrive in our Colorado climate. You need Colorado's own Turf Mix. It's a well-balanced blend of award-winning grasses that grow in sun or moon 
moving shade and tolerate heavy foot traffic. The aggressive root system creates a dense, thick, wear-resistant turf, perfect for outdoor adventures. Plus, it's insect, disease, and drought resistant. Colorado's own Turf Mix is available at your favorite local independent garden retailer. It's like the difference between soft, gentle rain and a monsoon. That's how I compare the effect of a Dram Rain wand on plants to the hard blast of a typical spray nozzle attachment to your garden hose. Water flows through 400 tiny holes in the Dram Rain wand's soft shower nozzle to bathe and refresh your plants, not damage them or wash away soil. Its handy reach handle has a 60 degree bend and conveniently extends to more distant garden rows and hanging baskets. And there's a fingertip shutoff valve. No wonder professional growers in the greenhouses and nurseries use DRAM watering tools. Today, there are imitators, but nothing matches the superior quality of the original, invented over 50 years ago. They're simply the best. DRAM watering tools are available at Tagawa Gardens, Nick's Gardens, Jared's Garden Center, and Lafayette Florist and Greenhouse. Now that the weather is starting to warm up, you'll want to protect your ornamental and vegetable garden from various beetles, weevils, and borers, including Japanese beetles. And what better way to prevent these pests from destroying your garden than by controlling them when they're larvae? GrubGone is an easy-to-apply granule product that can be spread on your turf to successfully control grub invaders. Developed by Phylum Bioproducts from a naturally occurring bacteria, GrubGone is a non-chemical BT product that specifically targets only certain scarab pests. And it is safe to use around bees and other beneficial insects. And it's a non-chemical choice for areas frequented by kids or pets. Yes, and if you already have beetles flying around your yard, BeetleGone is an organic water dispersal powder that can be sprayed directly on your edible plants. And did I mention, it is certified for organic gardening. Find out more at phylumbioproducts.com. Phylum Bioproducts, target the pest, not the rest. Hey, we're back. We're coming back to your questions, and we have them, <clears throat> excuse me, listed right here on our board. And we're going to start with Bill in Highlands Ranch. Good morning, Bill. Thanks for calling the Garden Wise guys. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Just great. What's going on with you today? Well, I got a question. It's kind of personal. You guys have been out of the air for years and years, and uh, I mean, I'm getting old. I can't remember. So in garden years, how old are you guys? About seven hundred. <laughs> <laughs> right, right next to Methuselah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah that's that, that's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a garden that's four feet wide by about eighty feet long. I've got a golf course on one side, and you know I have two dogs, and so they, they the other fence keeps the dogs out. Every year I put in snow peas, and this year I had a brilliant idea because I love my snow peas. I'll put them along both fences. Okay. And by the way, they're, they're, they've been doing a happy dance like you can't believe. I'll bet. So, but I want to put bean plants. Uh, I always have, uh, you know, garden beans, bush beans. And should I just put like a, a little fence in the middle of the garden so that they can climb? Or will they do okay just flat on the ground? Or? Are, they, are they bush beans or are they vining type beans? <clears throat> well, I think they're just bush beans. If they're bush beans, they don't need any, any, um, anything to climb on. They don't. No. no. Okay. Mm -mm. All right. 
great. You could put a little well, fence up, you know, like uh, three inches tall. <laughs> but I don't know why you'd want to do that. No. <laughs> okay. All right. So, and I've, I've got a rhubarb plant, a couple of them, but this year I've got these big spikes, gnarly-looking seedy things coming up. Uh-huh. Those are flower spikes. I'm, they're what? Flower spikes. And is this something that I can do, do to plant more rhubarb plants? Uh, you can what? if you let them flower and let them go to seed. You can collect those seed and, and grow, you know, a couple couple thousand more plants if you want. <laughs> I've done that. Well, I've done that, and it works. How much rhubarb do you need, there, yeah, bro? Really? Well, well, that's right. Well, you know, I, my, my, well, my my dad was a gardener. My oldest brother, who's now passed on, about eighty-five many years ago, and uh, they have a they, his his wife has something called rhubarb dessert, and it's just to die for. It's so easy to make. Have you harvested so, any rhubarb yet? No, but I'm getting close to. Well, I harvested a bunch a couple of days ago. Yeah. And I mean a bunch. Wow. So get out there. Start cutting. Oh. <laughs> All right. And if you don't and if you don't want any seeds and go through that process, go ahead and cut those stems out. Yeah, those those flower spikes they're, they're really unnecessary uh, unless you are going to collect seed, but they they Divert that energy back into the plant to produce more leaves yeah. that you're going to eat. I see. Okay. Uh, oh, and, and you had an advertisement on, which gives me another question. Uh, I've got vines that I transplanted, oh, my goodness, 18 years ago. And i got gorgeous vines around the house, and the Japanese beetles love them. Uh-huh. What would you suggest I use to spray them with? What kind of vines are they? Um they're like a grapevine, but they don't have grapes on them. They just and they're they're all around the front and both sides of the house. Well, that's probably a Virginia creeper. Probably, I'm thinking. yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and Japanese beetles love that plant. Oh, do they? Ever? Oh my goodness! It's like candy for them. Yeah. But uh, well, there's a couple of different products, a couple of different ways you can go. If you want to go the natural way, I'd go with that uh, Beetle Gone from Phylum. That works very very well. Uh, if if you if you're not concerned about the, uh, you know, using organics or natural stuff, then uh, Bonide produces a product called Eight E I G H T, and that works very very well. As, pardon me. Would you spell that again, please? E I G H T, like the number. Okay. All right. All right. Great. All right. Joe, well, thank you so very much. I appreciate it. You betcha. Thanks for calling, Bill. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, folks that have uh, rhubarb right now, it's probably time to do your first harvest. So get out there and take a look and take the largest stems uh, that are in the in the plant and uh, leave the smaller ones, and they'll get bigger, and there'll be more. Uh, settle, settle a controversy, would you, Jim? Because I don't grow rhubarb anymore. I don't eat it. I used to grow up because I had room for it, and it was kind of nostalgic. Every garden mm-hmm. should have rhubarb in it because it was pretty. I don't have room for it, so I don't grow. But harvesting rhubarb, you see videos about you should cut it. Yep. Or you grab it down near the base and twist it off. Yep. Which is right. I twisted it off for many, many years, and I pulled out an awful lot of shoots in okay. the process. And I think, that can't be good. No. So I, I just cut it off. Yeah. With a knife, you know, close to the base, and you're good. 
Mm -hmm. It doesn't harm the plant. No, you're not to worry about diseases getting in there. What do you think happens when you twist it off? Exactly. It caused more damage. Really? So, no, I, I cut it off with a knife. And then the other one was asparagus. Uh, you see the videos on that. You harvest that by cutting it off several inches below ground. Yeah. Well, I used to do that mm -hmm. in my asparagus bed, and I stopped because I was damaging new sprouts that I couldn't yeah. see underground. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And they'd come up all damaged. Mm -hmm. after, So I cut them off above ground where I can see where I'm cutting and I'm not hurting anything else. It dulls your knife, too, when you cut yeah, them. Yeah, so, there's, there's really no reason to cut them off below ground. No. No. So there you have it. That's our right. our that, expert advice. That's, that's experience on our part. 700 years worth of experience right, right here. Is it 700 now? Last week it was only 600. What happened? Uh, we had another um, okay. pre-life experience uh, added to that. Oh, you have those still, huh? Yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> I have former life. No, <laughs> post-life experiences. Post-life? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. That is special. <clears throat> All yeah. right. Hey, guys, we were asked here, and there's a note on the board here, to tell everybody when this program rebroadcasts, and that's Sunday from 6 until 8 p.m. That's in the evening. That's right. So if you miss the program on Saturday, yep. you can hear it in its entirety. And we understand the, it is entire. Um, commercials, everything's there. Mm -hmm. All our bloopers are there. And we now have our podcasts up and running. I'm glad that you figured that out. Yes, that was, that was a bit of a challenge for this yeah. um, technically challenged person. Uh, but they're, they're up and running now, and you can go to podbean.com. Oh, Podbean, yeah, Podbean, like the like the vegetable. Mm -hmm. dot com, and then just search for the the Garden Wise Show, and it'll come up, and you can listen to your. And they're all labeled by date and by hour. Okay, I'll have to put that on Facebook. Look for that. Well, it automatically posts onto Facebook. <coughs> each oh. each new podcast that comes comes up will automatically post to Facebook to let people know that they're there to listen to. I'll have to check and see how that appears. <coughs> it appears as with our ugly mugs oh. smiling at you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, there was something someone posted in <coughs> to me yeah. on Facebook. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and I can't figure out where else it is. What's that? It's a news feed, so it's you know, nothing I can go to. I, I, I don't know where it appears. Whether it's on the on the guy who sent it, <clears throat> it's not on on my personal site on Facebook, and it's not on our on the Garden Wise guy's Facebook page. So I don't know where it is, <clears throat> but there it is on newsfeed. Well, I don't know how that happens. I don't either. It's magic. Really? That's what it is. The the little gremlins in the there's a lot of stuff the on interweb Facebook. <laughs> I, I I still don't understand. I don't either. Well, let's, uh, something we do understand is answering questions for our callers. And let's see, up next is going to be Jeanette out in Centennial. Good morning, Jeanette. Thanks for calling the Garden Wise Guys. Good morning. How are you today? We're just dandy. What's going on with you? Well, I'm delighted that you're back, guys. Um, I oh, thank you. Things. One, I have an angel wing begonia that's got a couple of big branches on it. Can I cut those off and stick them in water? Will they root? They will root in water or in potting soil. Uh, soil either. Yeah, okay. and I used when on those they had that nice stiff cane uh, of a stem, uh -huh. and I usually only use about the top eight inches or so, and throw the okay. rest away. Okay. 
Don't be greedy. And then I want to put it outside in a window box. Can it, will it be all right in, like, dappled sun? Yes. Uh-huh. As long as it doesn't get any really hot direct sun. Okay. Or cold temperatures. Or cold temperatures. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's still too cold. Oh, I said it's going to be a, a month before I can put it outside. Probably so. And then I'm going to dig up my tulip garden. They're just about now gone, mm-hmm. but still really green. Um, if I... Um, can I still, if, if I find some good bulbs, what I'm going to do is put it back down there, but with a whole bunch of new bulbs. Can I dig those up, um, the ones that are currently there, before they're totally brown? I wouldn't. In a perfect world, you want to wait until that foliage turns yellow. Huh? Uh, and because right now those leaves are rebuilding the bulbs for next year. So if you dig them while they're green, you interrupt that process, and the bulbs don't get to be full size, and that sets them back usually at least a full year. Oh, oh no, I don't want to do that. I mean, because what, what I had was very pretty, just that a lot of them have kind of gone away, disappeared kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. okay. Well, um, thank you very much. I enjoy my Saturday mornings listening to you guys. Oh, thanks, Jeanette. I appreciate that. Bye. Thanks for listening. And I think we can go right back out there. Yeah, we have time to go out there and say hello to Darlene in Arapahoe. Good morning, Darlene. Hello, thank you. You bet. What's going on? I had some dwarf lilac bushes that previous people who own the house put in the front of the yard. They put in three by these very lovely windows. And then some frost happened, and after like 15 years of them always blooming, one of them is not blooming. It's just kind of twigs. And I think the other two are going to be okay, but it seems very odd that the one in the middle is just twigs. Now, by, Oh, so you're it. saying it's, there's no leaves on it either. Right. You know how you get those little bulbs, like little nodules? Of, uh-huh. This is going to be an annette. That didn't happen. And so I think the other one was sheltered by the corner of the house, and the other one was sheltered by this huge locust tree, and the one in the middle was just not sheltered by the other two. Do I dig it out now? Is it dead forever? Or do I wait? Next year it could come back. No. Uh, no. <laughs> if it's dead, it's <laughs> dead. But go ahead and check the stem. Take a knife out there and, and start scraping okay. bark from top to bottom. And if and you if get down to the bottom, green and yeah, soft, if there's no green, gone. it's gone. Yeah, it, okay, it needs to you. be able. It needs to produce leaves this year. Okay, and my second question is: We have just random grass that is not Kentucky blue coming up in what I thought was beds of drought-tolerant things that I wasn't going to water very much. So they just out there, and they're doing great. But the grass is just like helping itself and i'm like oh no you weren't wanted there and now it's such a mix of of things that i i just i'm pulling out grass but i know it's it's not done so i want to like redo a cloth because the grass has decided to come up between the cloth and just over time there's holes in the cloth that weren't Mm -hmm. there before and that's where the grass is making an opportunity so how do I, do I, like, separate, dig out, not disturb the roots of the other things that are fine? I have some salvia and um, stone crop, um, you know, and, it, and it's just like I, I don't want to, like, completely kill them because they're not even hitting their stride yet, but the grass is all happy. Well, is the grass intermingled with those plants? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's going to be tough. You're going to have to 
actually, if the grass is coming up through those plants, into those plants, you're going to have to dig the whole thing up and meticulously separate out the, okay. in, the, the, the grass rhizomes and that sort of thing, the roots, that, that sort of thing. Other than that, um, what do you think about over the top, Jim? Well, I, I'm thinking I would try over the top. <clears throat> it's, it's a chemical spray. Uh, that you spray on the grass that you have not been pulling at. You want to let it. You want to let it get nice and healthy green, and then spray okay. this product called over the top, over the grass. And, and you can even get it on your perennials. Yeah. It won't hurt the perennials. Yeah. Now you might want to check the list that comes with this uh, container of over the top. It'll be a list. It's about three and a half miles long, and it okay. will tell you the things that you can and cannot spray over the top. And then you okay. have to go through and say, okay, I don't have any of those things that are on the cannot spray list. Then you're pretty safe in just spraying over the top. And then you sit back and wait. It does not okay. act immediately. It takes about two weeks. Yeah. But it's, a, it's oh, one of okay. those magical products that can tell the difference between, your, between the grass plants and the broadleaf uh, perennial plants. But okay. what Jim was talking about, on the do not spray types of perennials, are there are some perennials that are related to grasses that might be damaged. So read the label carefully. Okay. So I have a two-prong approach. Yeah, you could try the, if, if you do the over-the-top first and give it a chance to kill, you know, a good portion of the grass that's there, then you'll only have to dig in the areas that the over-the-top didn't kill. Okay, I have a Coryaptus, like a false spirea, and some Saldago. That'd be goldenrod? Yes, it's just a mess because I wanted a, a lovely blue with the yellow around, and then uh -huh. I got grass all up the middle. And yeah, those, I, those I don't want to. Okay. Those are all perfectly safe to spray with the over the top. Okay. Great. I didn't just want to round up everything. That would be bad. No, yeah, round no. up would not be good. No. <laughs> Okay. By the way, well, Roundup Roundup will work. Yeah. But it's going to get rid of all your perennials too. Everything. Yeah. Yes. yeah it's it's non-discriminate killing exactly. everything. Exactly. Right. Whereas that over the top is is very selective in killing only grasses. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that. I I used 8 and I did the grub gone. Mhm. Mm before it rained, so I'm I'm hopeful that this year the garden will look better than tattered. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I think the uh, Japanese beetle is here to stay, so we all need yeah. to learn how to accommodate it. Does it plant more things that it likes to eat? It ate all the hollyhocks. Yep. Oh, they're they're voracious. Absolutely. While so. you're while you're getting over the top from your local garden center, you might want to get a container of eight e i g h t, and have a separate. I did. I did. Oh, okay. And by I the got, way, I got the the. the Apply it one, not the. So, okay. Oh, ready to use? Thank you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All righty. Well, thanks for your call, Darlene. Thank you. Bye. That music indicates we have to get out of here and take a short break. It's uh, typically not very long over the top of the hour, so don't anybody go anywhere. We're going to come back right here on Legends 810.